Chainsaw History. Welcome to the bonus episode, everybody, of Chainsaw History. I'm Jamie yeah. Chambers. That's my sister Bambi talking, and this is another episode sponsored by our awesome people who hopefully are giving us money on Patreon, which you can get to at ChainsawHistory.com. This is a series of bonus episodes where my sister and I dig into children's biography books that our parents foisted on us when we were little kids. So um, this is a series called The Value Tales. And uh, Value Tales books are these 64-page hardcovers uh, that take some notable figure from history. A lot of it's American history, but some, some are not. And try to find some specific virtue in one of these historical heroes that a child can, can take out of it. For example, um, previously re-recorded Nellie Bly. She was the value of what again? She was the value of fairness. And for the what value the of fairness, fuck, that's fuck right. ever reason, it's like they wrote her even as an adult sounding like a child. It's not fair. It's not fair. That's the value of fairness is whining about how unfair everything is your entire life. Ugh, that's what children no. need to know. No, she actually, I mean, she yeah, she saw injustice and was like, fuck a bunch of that nonsense. Yes. So you and, and you for broke your episode. the shit out of that glass ceiling. I love the shit out of Nellie Bly. And you know what? Fun fact, just because it didn't go into her episode, I kind of didn't make good notes at all. <laughs> or notes at all. Uh, but yeah, she was a war correspondent in World War One. Nice. Was another of, I was like, I know there was another cool thing that she did that I couldn't think of. But yeah, she was the only woman that was allowed um, in considered danger zones. Well, that's cool. So you did somebody who was admirable. I did. She was great. And I've got someone for you that is long admired and probably shouldn't be. And in fact, there's for years now, there's been a thing. So then I know who this is going to be. Can I go? I was going to say, well, there... There's only one choice because uh, we were supposed to record this yesterday, which would have been a national holiday. So it only made sense. <laughs> oh, it's a different asshole. So I picked The Value of Curiosity, the story of Christopher Columbus. Because we, did, we just, happy Indigenous People's Day, a little bit late. Uh-huh. I thought there's only one possible way to go. I mean, it was oh, right there on the this one's going to be dreadful and painful. So here we have on the cover um, our boy, what was he, Cristofero Colombo in the original Italian, because he is Italian. So the cover depicts uh, Christopher Columbus, who here is this paunchy, big-nosed dude dressed, once again, in purple. Lots of purple. The illustrator is so uh, into purple, man. Pur- blue the, hat. Like, Primary colors and fucking purple. And I can tell you one, like one intro, like historical inaccuracy, like right just on the basic art dis- design for this character. Christopher Columbus, uh, by all accounts, had like blonde or maybe reddish blonde hair that went gray very early when he was like 30 years old. So he always had light colored hair. Yeah, here he is, like just jet black hair. But whatever. It doesn't really matter. So yes, this is a, a, a children's book. Of all book. the now, things, of all the bullshit things that are going to happen in this book, I think that's going to be the least of them. <laughs> now here's the thing. When you did your episode, you actually did research, you prepped, you looked at stuff. But because I'm a hack and a fraud, I just picked the book. I've not even really cracked it open. But uh, I do say it's like, whereas you picked something, I, 
I where I did my job correctly was in picking the book. I picked somebody we can tear apart. Like we're not gonna. I, I can only well, make fun of Nellie Bly so much because she's someone I actually admire. Christopher Columbus has had his dick sucked quite enough, enough by history. Oh no, and I guarantee this is going to be the hmm. propaganda whitewashed uh, '80s America version. Oh yeah, and this and this is written by. It's this one's written by Doctor Doctor Spencer Johnson, the <sighs> the founder of the Our, Our Values Tales series, is the author of this one. Oh, goody gumdrops. And it's, uh, so it says, this tale is about Christopher Columbus, whose curiosity led to the discovery of the New World. The story that follows is based on the events of his life. More historical facts can be found on page 63. That's where the one-page biography goes. So <laughs> here we go. We're already going on with the, the, the opening paragraph here, immediately with the fallacy that he discovered the New World. Despite the fact that there were plenty of people living in it already, and the fact that there had already, you know, been a section of the New World colonized by Europeans 500 years earlier, but you know, what the fuck ever, he discovered the New World, right? Yeah, you know, and that's two separate continents, bunch of countries. There's a yeah, lot involved there. Yeah, yeah. I colonization's you know, the, fun. The Vikings got here first. Get over it. The Vikings got here first. They just weren't giant fucking, like, I mean, they were always going to be dicks, but. So here, uh, just like you pointed out when we did your book, the story begins with Once Upon a Time, which is at least acknowledging that this everything from this point forward is a bullshit fairy tale and not anything based on reality. And unlike your book, which began with a fully, a, like, a, a, well, I guess she was still technically a teenager, but, no, like, she was grown. She was, she no, was grown. she was a grown fucking woman. She was a grown-ass woman. Well, we're beginning with a little boy. Once upon a time, long ago, so long ago that most people still thought the world was flat. Truth buzzer yeah. goes off. <clears throat> That's actually nope. incorrect. But whatever. Nope. There lived a little boy named Christopher Columbus. Yes, the Greeks had figured that shit out, you know, thousand years plus before. And and even regular sailors looking at the horizon and the and the way this was like they figured this shit out a long time ago. Nobody really thought the Yeah, Earth was they flat. just thought the world was a little smaller than it was. In the fucking Renaissance. Well, no, I mean, that's another thing, too. The Greeks actually got the size of the Earth almost completely correct because they were really good at measuring shit and math. Like, that Pythagoras guy, he knew some stuff. Yeah. So, he was actually... But it was a actually lot of that debate. knowledge was lost because freaking... Yeah. Oh, for so, so, so many reasons. So, again, there lived a little boy whose real name was Christopher Colombo. Christopher Columbus. Little Christopher liked to stand out the window at his father's weaving shop and look out at the port city of Genoa, Italy. What do you suppose Christopher saw when he looked out? And what do you suppose he thought about? Questions. So what did he? What do you think he saw when he looked out of his father's weaving shop? See, a river of sewage flowing by, the misery of human suffering. Oh, I was going to go with... Uh... He, he saw new worlds to plunder. Well, we're, they're not even getting that uh, ambitious. Kill. He just saw boats. He saw boats. <laughs> he saw boats. Now, it's like, once again, do you, what, do you, what a magical, amazing things do you think he saw when he looked out the window? Boats. Boats. He saw some boats. 
He was like, cool, I really like fucking boats. Why, he saw ships in the harbor. And he thought about how they sailed off to faraway places. Of course, the ships didn't sail as far then as they do now. In those days, the sailors did not like to lose sight of land. Yeah, it was a good way to die back then. Yeah. No shit. One day, Christopher and his little brothers went down to the wharf to get a closer look at the ships. You know, said one of Christopher's brothers, if you sail too far from shore, you'll end up in the sea of darkness where no stars ever shine. And monsters hide out there in the dark, said the other little brother. There's an ocean of seaweed that catches ships and holds them there so they never get away. I wonder if all that's really true, said Christopher. He's wondering if his brothers know shit about shit. Ends up they don't. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler. So then the little boys decide to go hang out with some sailors. Oh, so they learn <laughs> some, some new language. Sure, nothing bad happened to these small, adorable, cherub-faced little boys. These horny, rough Italian sailors. Excuse me, called Christopher to the men. Can you tell us if the stories about the Sea of Darkness are true? And if there really is an ocean of seaweed that catches ships and holds them forever? Are there monsters out there? If ships sail too far out, can they fall off the edge of the world? One of the sailors chuckled. We can have some fun with these youngsters, he whispered to a friend. And then, you need to see the the look. (laughs) See the look on this guy's face. Look at that smile. Oh my god, he looks like he is going to eat them. Yes, he has. (laughs) Get in my mouth, children. He has disarticulated his jaws like a python, and this giant, wide eyed mouth is opening up. The sailor made a scary face. It's all true, he said. There are islands in the sea of darkness that appear and disappear like magic. You can hear bells ringing under the sea and see ghostly horses race over the waves. The terrible seaweed stretches for miles waiting to snare unwary ships. It's frightening out there, little mates. Very frightening indeed. Christopher agreed. This was very frightening. Just the same, he decided that when he grew up, he'd go out to sea to find out of himself what was true and what wasn't. All right, so... um. Jumping ahead, our, our young hero here decides that he wants to be a ship's captain one day, so he signs up to be a cabin boy, where, and he goes out to sea as a little kid where I'm sure he wasn't abused, molested, or horribly mistreated in any way. Sure, it was great. He loved it so much that he wanted and it shows to, him, yeah. It just shows him delivering a tray of dinner to, to the captain who looks like a jolly, curly-haired dude. But now we're going to oh, meet our... he's serving our, him dinner all right. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and now we're going to meet our, cost, our, our cartoon sidekick. So, uh, as you can see in this lovely illustration here, a seagull flies down <sighs> he has a to the side of the friend. boat. Well, of course. Well, you know, like, that might mm. actually be legit. If you well, feed sure them he... enough, seagulls will just will follow you around. Oh, though... The seagulls were there all the time. I mean, that's certainly yeah. true enough. So here he is, little boy. He was standing at the rail one day, looking out at the water, when a seagull swooped down and landed almost at his elbow. Hi, Chris, said the bird. My name's Sea. Seagull. And it's literally spelled S-E-E. Seagull. I've been watching you, and you look like as if you're thinking some very important thoughts. I'm curious, just what are you thinking about? Christopher blinked. I didn't know that seagulls talked. And I, I've decided to give him this, like, I guess, uh, 
for some reason, like Charles Dickens' British orphan accent instead of it, this little Italian. He should sound like Mario from Super Mario Brothers instead. But whatever. See, in my head, he's the he's the bird from um, the Little Mermaid. I think it would be a little too distracting if I was like, I didn't know that a seagull's a talk. That's a spicy meatball. So I'm not going to do that. So instead, he's a little he's a little Dickensian waif. Christopher blinked. I didn't know that seagulls talked, said he. But then he laughed out loud. Of course seagulls didn't talk. This particular seagull was just a make-believe friend. It was Christopher himself having fun, pretending that he could chat with a bird. So, in this version, at least, he's a little boy and having an imaginary friend, especially to escape from the trauma the, of the, trauma the cabin abuse. boy. He's, he's mean, having a little dissociative episode to not think about the things that happen in the captain's cabin. You know, Again, uh, he's a little cabin boy on a ship far off at sea. <laughs> Look at this adorable no little face. Him. He might just Look. be like, the only friend is my, the birds. Look at his face. He's his, poor... oh, he, his little his little round child this face. This little seagull is his only escape from this nightmare. <laughs> you know, give, give him his... So, this is where the bird teaches him his virtue that he's going to teach the rest of us. Oh, God. <laughs> his virtues have already been taken. <laughs> Oh, yeah. This little boy doesn't have any virtue left. (laughs) Well, Mr. Gull, said Christopher, I was really... You could call me C, interrupt the bird. That's what they named me because I like to fly around and see things. You understand how it is. I'm curious. Curious, said Christopher. I don't know what that word means, but... It means I have lots of curiosity said the bird, completely unhelpfully, because when you try to define a word by using the word fuck you. <laughs> it's like, thanks. Thanks for telling thanks for me nothing. what that means, you, you dickhead. <laughs> I wonder about things, and I try to find out about them. Well, said Christopher, I guess I have lots of curiosity myself. I was just wondering what's on the other side of the ocean. That's great, said C. When will you try to find out? Just as soon as I can, answered Christopher. And boom, instant, uh, we have now jumped in time, and now he looks like the big-nosed dude from the cover. Cool. Shit happens. (laughs) We can't talk about that shit because it's very upsetting. Yes. There were dark years where Christopher had to get his revenge on those who violated his childhood virtue. So it says here that he became... um, he kept on sailing in ships and studying maps and charts and became a, a quite the map maker himself. And his imaginary seagull friend is still with him to help him repress his childhood trauma. Because now he, he's the one with the cabin boys, not the other way around. <sighs> the cycle continues. I'm finding out more about the world all the time, said Christopher, and that makes me feel very good. Me too, laughed Seagull. This is this this writing is just the best. So this part shows uh, Christopher is reading uh, about the travels of Marco Polo and his journey to an eastern land called the Indies, where there was gold and silk and spices. So soon after this, Christopher was walking on the beach. To his surprise, he found an unusual piece of carved wood and some strange plant pieces. They had been washed up by the waves. Christopher picked up the wood. How odd, he said. 
I've never seen anything like this before. It's it's wood. Neither have I, said Seagull. And I fly to lot the playthrough than thee many things. Christopher put the wood in his pocket and he picked up the pieces of plant. Come on, see, he said. We'll try to find out about these things. So they go and find some white beard old dude in this picture here. Okay, and he's grown at this point. He's a grown ass man. Oh yeah, man. he's a grown He's a grown ass man. Going, I wonder where he's this the, wood this is I've never seen this. He's wood a successful before. map maker. Well, apparently it's it's a carved place of wood. It looks like some kind of little totemic object of some kind. Okay. Alright, that makes a little more sense. It's like I yeah, found he, so wood. He found, he, I've never seen he found, wood before. It said carved wood, but it didn't really say it's it's oh. literally he found a, a carving washed up on the shore. So he's trying to take it out, take it to the scholar, and um nobody knows where it came from. But after a while, Christopher thought he knew where they came from. Do you know? It's going to be something really fucking boring. This is the best part. They came from the other side of the ocean, he exclaimed. The book about Marco Polo's travels is a true story. He really did see the land called the Indies, and it was filled with strange things and odd plants and trees. Suppose the wisest navigators are right. Suppose the world really is round, like an apple. So again, with the, the oh complete my god, myth. they so they didn't they didn't bother to research this shit at all, did they? Well, this is I mean to be fair, this is exactly how I learned it in grade school too. Like it wasn't until I don't think I was until high school that I actually had it dispelled to me, the idea that you know the Christopher Columbus. Okay, so why do we ch- teach? In fact, it might have even yeah because because I think I was seventeen when we had the big five hundred year you know the the. The 500-year anniversary of 1492, and they did a lot of Christopher Columbus movies and, you know, documentaries and shit. And that's the first time I heard the the dis- thing, because, you know, there is a there is a person to blame for this particular piece of bullshit, by the way. This is where I can show off. And we can blame him for a lot of stuff, because he, I mean, and this ties back to our very, very first episode ever about George Washington. Because there is a, an American author who just wrote a bunch of bullshit that became like has been ingrained in American school children ever since. That was Washington Irving. Oh, that asshole, yeah. Yeah, he's he's the one that came up with the whole George Washington cherry the tree. Cherry thing. tree. Yeah. It's like he's why, the he's why the why one children, who came up He's the reason that children believe bullshit. It's like why do we want to teach that? <laughs> he's the one that thinks that Christopher Columbus, you know, thought that it was trying to disprove that the world was flat, even though that was I mean, like globes existed as a thing. Like they're objects, they're globes older than Christopher Columbus that were in use, even if they weren't exactly accurate. So that was, this is just a weird old idea. Anyway, but almost everybody says it's flat, Seagull declared. So anyway, he he goes on arguing with his imaginary friend uh, saying, no, 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 this is right. And and, And this stuff that I found is totally from the Indies. And so... So he is going to come up with this plan to to prove his theory of the world being round. Terrific idea, cried Seagull. But then the bird looked a bit worried. But what about the Thea of Darkness, he said. Doesn't it scare you? And I realize this is, Seagull is apparently Bullwinkle's first cousin. (laughs) (laughs) I realize I'm just basically doing a Bullwinkle accent. Whatever, it's fine. It's fine. Of course it does, admitted Christopher. But I'm curious. And I... And if I want to find the truth, I have to take some chances and get a lot of other people killed with me. Oh, God. It just, it all just kind of hurts. It's causing, like, actual physical pain. 
Well, if you must, you must, said Seagull. But if you're going to sail to the other side of the ocean, you're going to need money for ships and supplies. So then there's illustrations of uh, Chris running around uh, to various European monarchs trying to hit them up for money. And then uh, and we see one queen with her big thumbs down while she's laughing in his face. Which is kind of my favorite one. <laughs> it's like, nice. oh, fuck, fuck you. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> Especially if he really was going around like, I can prove the world isn't flat. Yeah. Yeah. We know Thanks. that, dumbass. Now, I know, I know from my own deal that the very first place he tried was Portugal because he was married to a Portuguese wife and that was where he was kind of set up for a while. But eventually, of course, famously, he yeah. found sponsors in with, uh, you know, Queen Isabella and King Ferdinand of Spain. Spain and Castile. So he was Don't a forget. Italian. He was an Italian... Citizen of Portugal who finally got a royal commission from the Spanish again, government. Because again, King Ferdinand was a giant loser piece of shit and his wife was a badass. Unfortunately, she took all that badassery so she could like dislike okay. Muslims a lot and fight but, them. But did she have green hair like in this illustration? <laughs> because oh that's amazing. God. She has got green ass hair. Queen Isabella of Castile and Spain should not have had green hair. Now, here is the most exciting paragraph in children's books ever. Christopher Columbus waited while Isabella and Ferdinand thought it over. He waited and waited and waited. He waited for six years. End of (laughs) paragraph. (laughs) (laughs) He waited for six years. And then he just literally is like, ta- in this, he's just talking to himself in his imaginary bird, just like whining about how, how they're not curious enough. How can she be curious about green hair dye and not the other side of the world? <laughs> Maybe it's because she already knows the earth round. So page 24, Christopher had almost given up hope when word came at last. Queen Isabella was now very, very curious. Ding, ding, ding. About the far side of the ocean. I guess we could do the drinking game version where every time we say the word. She was giving Uh. Columbus three ships. And of course, every American schoolchild knows the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. And the supplies he would need for his first voyage. Well, that's true. He did get those ships. He did get supplies he needed. That's so far, it's that solid. Accurate. At first, Columbus was delighted. But this is one of our great questions. But then he found out that getting the ships was the easiest part. What do you think was going to be harder? At least this, honestly, this one's not as condescending as the last one. Yeah. Maybe it Plus was because... He, had, he has hit a penis and yeah. he's worthy of immediate respect. And, and, and she was just like whiny. It's unfair. Instead, it's he's unfair. just like... What's wrong with you people? Aren't you curious? Aren't... You're not brave and curious like me. Even though I don't even know if it was written with sex, it really seems like they're just trying to shoehorn the the keyword into the book as many times as possible. So we gotta have the word curious. So anyway, showing fairness. So she had to go. I'm. It's not fair. So here we have a weird Burger King's Kids Club of sailors that he's talking to, (laughs) trying to convince them all to risk. (laughs) <laughs> Almost certain death sailing off the edge of the map of the flat earth. Well, they have to go. They have to go do it for their Burger King. <laughs> and of course, 
Here is the illustration of what these people truly believed. That there was a flat earth with fucking giant purple dragons and shit. Man, they're going to be so disappointed. This is a psychedelic nightmare. These dragons, like, proportionally sized are, like, <laughs> cosmic Cthulhu-like <laughs> monstrosities. Like, this thing could literally... These could eat the earth like a pizza, the way it's illustrated in this book. Nice. <laughs> I may have to take a picture of this to be, like, the cover image. So, now he's, so he's trying to talk this group of sailors into going with him. We'll never reach the Indies, warned one man. There are monsters beyond the Sea of Darkness, said another. There's huge monsters who can swallow whole ships, moaned a third sailor. What? Even if the monsters don't get us, we're doomed if we go too far, said a fourth man. Game over. Remember, I didn't. I added that last part myself. Remember <laughs> that the world is flat. If we sail off the edge, we'll be lost forever. Uh... Then Columbus so sailors asked a, were a bunch of dumbasses. Then Columbus asked a very good question. How could anyone know about monsters or the edge of the world if no one had ever sailed there before? Ha ha, I win, losers. Get in the boat. No one's ever come back. I've out-argued you. You work for me now. <laughs> Say, that's right, shouted a seaman. If we want to know what's true, we have to go find out for ourselves. I've gotten to wondering. I'm too curious to stay home. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, I'll make the voyage. I need, a, I need a hotel bell to ring every time. I'll take, I have one. I'll get one later for next time. Good for you, said Columbus. There's something else you might like to know. Queen Isabella is offering a rich reward to all who sailed with me. Was that a bunch of bullshit? Yes. <laughs> And so the men agreed to go, and Columbus had his crew. And here we go, the year. On August 3rd, 1492, 92. the three ships sailed out of the Spanish harbor of Palos. Columbus was full of hope. He even carried with him letters from King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella to the emperors of the Indies. All right, that tracks. That's actually true. Yeah. The ships he, sailed he, west. The ships sailed west. <laughs> and yep. they carried um, letters. letters. On and on they went until the land disappeared behind them and the sea stretched around them in all directions. A silence had come over the men. They now knew that no ship had ever before come so far. Then suddenly a man cried out in fright. An ocean of seaweed! He shouted. We're sailing right into it! Of course, here's the illustration. Game over, man! Seaweed! It will catch us, cried a second man. We'll never get away. It seemed true. There was seaweed on the surface of the ocean for as far as the eye could see. The sailors were sure that the seaweed had roots growing all the way down to the bottom of the sea. They thought that the ships would get tangled in the weed. They feared they would never escape. Don't worry, said Christopher. Look at that seaweed. It's not thick. It's just floating on top of the water, you stupid, illiterate bastards. We can <laughs> sail right through it. I might be embellishing slightly. And sure enough, the ships did sail, sail through. As they went, Columbus noticed something interesting. He scooped up a handful of the weed and showed it to the sailors. What do you think they saw? Seaweed. Well, in this case, he's holding a big handful of seaweed and there's a little, like, stereotypical red crab standing on top of the weed. Okay. Um, so the weed has crabs? See, see the little crab on the seaweed, said Columbus. 
How can land be far away when such creatures are crawling around here? Have faith. We must be nearing the Indies. That was completely unscientific and bullshit. And <laughs> yeah, and... Yes. Did sea life make... doesn't exist. Sea life does doesn't not exist. exist. <laughs> not, oh, not outside of sight of land. I love their, they didn't research anything at all. However, the men felt better just because Columbus made up some bullshit. They even began to be curious, says the book. But when Columbus put the crab back on the seaweed and went off by himself, his face was serious and sober. So even the book knows he's full of shit and just trying to keep himself from getting... <laughs> There's a little thing called mutiny that sometimes would happen on a ship. He was really hoping that didn't happen to him because it usually didn't end well for the captain. Yeah. So... I hope that little crab is a land creature, Christopher said to see. We've been at sea so long. Sometimes I begin to wonder if we'll ever see land again. So, you gotta love it. He's So he's, he's completely bullshitting them. He's like, no, 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 don't worry. When you do something you've never done before, it's bound to be scary, said C. But it's a good thing we have brave, curious people like you, Christopher. We'd never find out anything. So, it's awesome that these guys are all probably gonna die. <laughs> yep. the, because let us not do. forget he's like the book is trying to say he's just trying to prove the world is round and is, is part of his way to get to the indies but either way he he's wrong he's a hundred percent wrong about getting to the indies about what size the earth is whatever and so these these sailors working on him have every reason to believe he's going to get them killed yeah yeah it's a true story and he almost did we reach the point now where um, there's giant horrible storms and his imaginary um, seagull's wing gets injured. How does your... <laughs> Which when you're such a thing. shitty... Such a great captain. <laughs> Even your imaginary friends are getting injured in this expedition. So, there's so how bad do the actual on. sailors have it? Question mark, question mark. Well... Thing, the, 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 you know, the ships are tossed around, then everything goes calm. The raging sea became as calm as a pond. The sailors were quiet. They were frightened. Do you know why no wind at all would frighten the sailors just as much as a heavy gale? Uh, I do. The doldrums. <laughs> yeah. Well, because they also, were on sailing vessels. <laughs> and wind is kind of important Wind's in order important to go anywhere. Wind's important when you're sailing. <laughs> That's right. Says the next page. Without any wind in the sails, the ship was becalmed. It wouldn't move at all. Don't get all fucking technical on us. Whoa. Nope. The sailors began to mutter to themselves. We'll never get home, said one man. We'll stay here in the middle of ocean until we all die. So they all start freaking out. And the men are watching the dolphins play in the water while uh, they're all waiting around to die. That happens. That is a hazard when all you have is a yeah. sailing vessel. How long will we be becalmed in these unknown seas? Christopher wondered aloud. There's no way to tell, said C. That's what makes it so scary. Yeah, and that's Thanks. why the Vikings got there first, because they rowed. They had boats with paddles. Finally, after many days, a gentle wind began to blow. They were traveling on again, and little waves were slapping against the hull of the ship. The men on deck could laugh again and wonder what they would find when they reached the Indies. Even C's imaginary wing felt better. 
I added the imaginary oh, part finally. because I love how it says he's imaginary, but also treats it like it's real, which is dumb. Ah, internal logic, whatever. Bad writing, Jamie. It's bad the imaginary, writing. The imaginary bird will soon be able to fly again. Thank God. <laughs> Never mind that guy who got tossed over the side in the middle of the storm. Or the other one who died of scurvy. It's about to say, uh, lots and lots of people died on this expedition. Yeah. Not a whole yeah. lot of them made it back. They, they've skipped that part. So far, the only, you know, the only uh, casualty is the imaginary seagull's wing. Okie dokie. And so they sailed at a good speed for many days. Then at last they heard the sound they'd been waiting for. A cannon boomed from one of the ships. Land! shouted a sailor. I see land! But when Christopher and the other men looked out across the water, they saw no land. The sailor had been mistaken. <laughs> there was no safe harbor. It's like Ashton Kutcher, sta- Ashton Kutcher stands on the prow of the ship. You've been pumped, y'all. Just kidding. There was just miles and miles of more water. They sailed on. There was nothing else they could do. But now the crew didn't feel frightened. They didn't feel curious either. How do you suppose they felt? Mad as fuck. (laughs) Oh, you are correct. Bingo. They are angry. (laughs) We want to go home, they shouted to Columbus. You don't turn the ships around, we will. Death mutiny, thought C, and now we can listen to the imaginary seagull's thoughts. <laughs> that's, that's such bad writing. We have zero <laughs> perspective, point of view, or sense of what our third person narrator is doing here. But whatever. So we're now reading the thoughts of the imaginary seagull. You'll go to prison if you do that, shouted Columbus to sailors who totally gave a fuck. <laughs> we don't care, cried the men. And this is the moment of truth for Christopher Columbus in, in history. Because he very very easily could have been tossed over the side of the boat. Desperate, Columbus tried to awaken the sailors' curiosity. Ding, 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 ding. No, they didn't have enough supplies to turn around. Yeah. They, they would die. Don't you want to find out what's on the other side of the ocean, he asked. Don't you want to go home and tell your children and grandchildren that you were the first ones to sail to the Indies? What? And then the, what? the next sailor makes a really good point. They already had, They already knew. They already could sail to the Indies. If we don't turn back, we may never see our children and grandchildren again, said the men, making a completely logical point. They'd already been to the Indies. It was not a magical place. This was just a different way to go. They'd already been there. He was trying to find a shorter route. That's all. Because he thought he knew how to do uh, measure the size of the earth better than Greek mathematicians. And he was wrong. And he was fucking wrong. He was wrong about a lot of things. So Columbus is still trying to keep himself alive. Let's sail for three more days, said Columbus. If we don't sight land by then, we'll turn back. The men grumbled and muttered, but they agreed to sail on. And now here's here's a great part. We must be getting near the place where the world ends, said one man. He listened for the thunder of the waterfall that would surely take place when the ocean poured over the edge of the world. He began to tremble. I don't hear anything yet, he said hopefully. Yeah, I love it. We suddenly just switched to just some hate, random sailor. I hate all of this story. It's really disjointed. But I don't see any land either. All I see is water. If there is land ahead, I wonder what it'll be like. Will it be the Indies? Will it be golden palaces? 
I don't think there is any land, said a third man. We'll have to turn back. Suddenly, the men heard a noise high above them. It was a soft, hurrying, flapping noise. What do you suppose it was? Birds. Yay! <laughs> Birds. Birds. Birds! shouted a happy sailor. It's a flock of birds! At last, cried C. That means there's land, land nearby. The sailors cheered, for, for of course, this, the imaginary seagull that they couldn't see or hear was correct. Birds <laughs> couldn't fly endlessly over an ocean. They needed a place to land and rest their wings. At last, they were close to land. So the Yay. ships changed course, and they followed the birds. And now they were so close to safety, the men began to wonder, what kind of place was it that they were coming to? So we're still in the boats. We're really dragging this, this last little bit out. Because I guess they don't want to talk boats, too much about boats, what happened. Well, I don't think they want to spend land. too much time. <laughs> yeah. What do they do when they get... What do you think what Columbus does? What do they do does? on land? <sighs> well, they soon knew that it was a place where they saw trees and bushes and lots of green growing things. For they saw twigs and leaves and fresh little red berries growing in the... float. Sorry. Floating in the water. Not growing. It won't be long now, they said eagerly. Night fell, but not one of them thought of sleeping. They all watched. Then suddenly, one of the men saw something. A dark mass rising from the water, very black and huge. Was it a monster? The cannon boomed, and the crew came running, eager to see. Land! They shouted. Land ahead! And this time it was for real. So there's a silhouette of an island. There it was at last. A small island lay just before them, rising up out of the water. The flags were raised on all three ships. The cannon boomed again, so loudly that the sleepy moon seemed to stir a bit. So they're in the middle of the night. They were like, land! Let everyone Shoot know the moon! here! <laughs> so they fire their cannons at the moon, who apparently was frightened. Because <laughs> it says it seemed to stir a bit. We will conquer the moon! <laughs> we will conquer the moon! Perhaps it looked down and asked what these men were doing there and why they were making so much noise. Sure, okay. Okie dokie. I'm glad we used that. That was the, the best paragraph for our historical fiction. <sighs> it's beautiful, isn't it? Said Columbus to see. I was beginning to be afraid we'd never get here. I wonder what it's like. Columbus wasn't the only one who was curious. Ding, ding, ding. The entire crew had crowded against the railings to look at the island. They could hardly wait until morning. So now here we go. Our fateful Hooray. rowboat full of Europeans. Oh, the sun is happy for them. The moon was pissed yes. off, but the sun, sun's, the sun's digging. The moon's like, They're like Hooray. Nothing, nothing bad's ever going to happen because of this. The moon was disturbed, as it should there's, be. The, the moon like, is wiser than the sun, apparently. There's no way this is going to end in slavery and genocide. Um, at dawn, Columbus and some of his men climbed into a small boat. C perched on the prow, and they rowed toward the shore. Columbus reached inside his coat to make sure his important letters were safe. Because, you know, everybody knows yeah. that whoever the, whoever the fuck they're going to meet can totally read Spanish. They're just going to read it and like it. Yep. They were the letters of greeting that Queen Isabella had given him. He was to present them to the Emperor of India and the Emperor of China. Christopher Columbus was in for a surprise. It's the end of yeah. the page. <laughs> he wasn't as surprised. Yes, and he was completely, could not have been more wrong. <laughs> he was so surprised. Although he did not even get anything right away. Because he was a dumbass. No. Well, according to this, 
he was completely, he was shocked that not a single emperor was waiting for him on the beach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you'd expect emperors to do. Yeah, wait for strangers. But he did notice that the plants and stuff matched the shit that was floating around in the ocean. And then the bushes moved. Someone was hiding there. Dun, dun, dun. They were probably waiting in ambush because these fuckers woke him up. Well, look at this uh, picture of happiness oh. and goodness. Well, here's the truth. The truth is the natives apparently were quite friendly and generous yeah. uh, to the people who just showed up. Uh, so let's just go with their version before we... Because this is the part where I know we're going to start th- getting upset. <laughs> so let's just read it for where, a little bit. And this is where the book takes a turn. Quote, Why, these must be Indians, said Columbus when some people with red-brown skin came out to greet him. Columbus had made a very natural mistake. He thought he had landed in the Indies. So even though these people didn't look a bit like the yellow-skinned people that Marco Polo had described, he called them Indians. Yep. I love how it literally, the, the paragraph, within this one paragraph, it revealed why he was dumb for thinking and saying this, yet also saying it was a very natural mistake. It's a very natural mistake. But again, in, in this book look, version, talk, they've or... never been to India, so... Well, that's the thing, though. He, they said they can't make up their mind about that part. They've, no, they can't. It's, they've changed it's their mind, just like it changed their mind in this paragraph, whether it makes any sense for him to think this or not. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, you know where Columbus actually had landed. Don't you, Bambi? Don't you? Where is he? Where is he? Um, South America? <laughs> no. Well, this, of course, they just say he's in America. He was on the island of San Salvador off the coast of America. Now, here's... Okay. <laughs> well, I'm just going to read off this. Off the coast of America. Cause, off cause the coast of America. Of there's the only America. one America. It, it's fine. <laughs> the America. The America. Well, there's nothing more American than saying there's only one America, Bambi. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not where he was. The islanders were very friendly. They didn't seem to mind being called Indians. <laughs> <laughs> well, they probably didn't because they had no idea what the fuck these people were saying. They didn't seem to mind being called Indians. And no one's ever had <laughs> a problem with it since. <laughs> Everything's fine. And they showed their island off to Columbus. They showed him some neighboring islands, too. They couldn't show him any emperors or great cities or gold. They didn't have any. I'm a little disappointed, said Columbus to see. That's okay, because you know what? He's going to go back to Spain, and Spain will, will, they will rape and pillage and kill the land until they finally find gold. So, okay, let's, let's just blaze through this part real quick. C was quite well by now. Thank God his, his imaginary wing healed after the storm. And no longer had a bandage on him. (laughs) So he says, When you're curious and you go looking for anthers, you may not find the ones you expect, he said. That's part of the excitement. I hope Queen Isabella will be excited, said Columbus. And I hope she'll like what we found. So after looking around for several months, Columbus and his crew set sail for home. They had lots of interesting things to show to the Queen. Trees and plants. Even some of the Indians went back with Columbus. They were curious too and yeah. wanted to see what the and see what was on the other side of the ocean. 
they were curious, and so they just volunteered and came with them. It was great. Yep. It was all fine. The voyage back to Spain was stormy, but at last they arrived home with their strange cargoes. We did it, the sailors said proudly. We didn't turn back. We were with Columbus, and we found a new land. The sailors hurried home to tell their families that they hadn't fallen off the edge of the world. Hooray! Yeah, one of those ships sank. They didn't all come back. <laughs> well, that's not what it says here. Oh, well, yeah. However, it only just, but it, to be fair, it only shows one ship unloading, so. <laughs> they were excited to tell everyone that, that they hadn't fallen off the edge of the world or been eaten by giant Lovecraftian space monsters. Sweet. I have been to the other side of the ocean, Christopher told Queen Isabella. I have found strange new land, and I have brought back many interesting things and people for you. <laughs> Here. Have some willing participants. Then Columbus showed the queen's advisors a map he had made. It was like no other map made before. It showed the ocean and the islands he had seen on the far side. I love in the illustration here. Look at this incredibly perfect map of North America. <laughs> I know this is a true map, said Columbus. I made it only after I had been to these islands myself. I am sure, though, that there are other places where no one has ever been. Who will draw the maps to these other places? Who has enough curiosity ding, 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 to go to find out about them? I am not a sailor, said the queen, but I am full of curiosity, and I will help you. And once again, I'm, gonna go, I'm going with a very uh, You're going with a very person. British, with I'm a very with British a... queen. Instead of, um, yeah. Queen Victoria. I'll see to it that you can sail to the New World and have found just as often as you wish. Even then, Columbus did not know what a truly great discovery he had made. Until his voyage, no one in Europe had ever even suspected that there were two huge continents, North and South America, on the other side of the ocean. They never suspected, but he drew a map to it perfectly. Perfectly. Well, that's how good he was. Later, with the help of... With the help of the wise queen... Christopher sailed back to America three more times. He continued to be curious. He continued to try to learn new things. Even when he didn't find anything, he knew it was fun just to look. Because Christopher was curious, he opened the way for later explorations. And because he was curious, we will never forget Christopher Columbus. Now, you may wonder about the value of curiosity in your own life. Is there something you would like to know, learn more about? Like, for example, how Columbus had a, had a gold collection quota for the young men of the island he visited. And if they didn't make their quota, he would chop off their hands and make them wear it around their neck as an ornament of their failure. I'm super curious about that. Yeah. Or how he was offered a native girl on one of his first uh, nights there and brutally raped her. So the, it, it literally ends, whatever you decide to do, let's hope it is something that will make you happier. Just like our curious friend, Christopher Columbus. If, you know, genocide makes you happy, I just say go for it. Thanks, book. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's, it's gross. I'm, I'm not a fan. They, okay, so they made the world dumber, him smarter, sort of, even though he still admitted he didn't find what he was looking for, and completely ignored, you know, the depopulation, genocide, harsh enslavement, uh, warfare, disease... Well, I mean, if you're going to be curious about something, at least get the... Could you have been, like, curious about history? Because that would have been neat to include 
at least a couple of facts in there. Now it's like they got the, the uh, date he left right. Yeah, that that was a, that was an actual fact. Did they get uh, so, his birthday right? Because they didn't get Nellie Bly's birthday right. Um, well, let's name. see. Let's just look real quick. Uh, according to the Wikipedia on, on good old Christopher Columbus, well, it says he was born between August 25th and the 31st of 1451. So they don't know. And that's that's exactly what it says in the first paragraph of the historical facts page here. So got that right. I mean, it looks like they got the basic nuts and bolts here quickly even though i see a very uh, obvious formatting mistake that their typesetter should have been fired for um but yeah interestingly enough so but here the the historical facts ends right after they find land and then just mentions he made three more visits back and that's it it's like we don't want to talk about all this other stuff and be realistic because we don't want to talk about that <laughs> kids don't really it's like that's gonna make the columbus day celebrations really awkward and that's why I have been on board even even long before my personal like political self change. I have I've been on board the Christopher Columbus was an asshole train since college. I mean there's just no defending some of the no. shit he did. There was no defending any of the shit he did. And he set and he he's, he kind of set a standard of how these indigenous people would be treated by the Europeans from this point going forward. The Colombian yeah. exchange led to a lot of really awful shit. We have sophisticated weaponry that they don't. Yeah. And I think here we are in the year of our Lord, uh, 2021, where our president, uh, Joe Biden, just made some sort of proclamation about yesterday being Indigenous Peoples Day, officially. I still didn't, I didn't see how that all shook out, but apparently at least Indigenous Peoples Day is being given equal standing to Columbus now. I guess that's good. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. I was uh, happy enough that during the uh, during our little uprising we had last year, a shitload of uh, Chris Columbus statues got ripped down. Nice. And I'm cool with that because uh, the only Christopher Columbus we liked is the director of the first Harry Potter movie and Home Alone. Yeah, that Chris Columbus is is pretty is pretty good. Yes, that's the Christopher Columbus I like. I do not like the Christopher Columbus of this book or his stupid little fucking seagull. His his injured seagull. His he injured his imaginary friend. We <laughs> That's how spent much of a dick Christopher like, Columbus. Is. I was amazed. <laughs> like we spent like actual real estate and a very limited number of words on this book about a big historical figure about the injury and recovery of an imaginary <laughs> seagull and learning its innermost thoughts. <laughs> So this is a prequel to Jonathan Livingston Seagull starring a mentally sort of the, the Forrest Gump of the Seagull world hanging out with Christopher Columbus. Oh my God. He, he's not even smart enough to hang out with Scuttle mm. from The Little Mermaid. <laughs> yeah, I didn't go with a Scuttle-like voice. Yeah, so uh, I think the two books that we've done so far, you did Nellie Bly, I did Christopher Columbus, and I think it really... I think we've we've kind of shown both the high and low bars set by this series. Like Nellie Bly, for that book's all its fault. It was well intentioned. It was trying to you know talk up a you know a woman who didn't get a lot of recognition. And then of course and now on the other it. yeah, and then on the other side we got Christopher Columbus, someone who's been over celebrated, and it completely whitewashes and scrubs clean 
all the shit he did and just pretends like he was this great visionary, even though he was a dumbass who didn't even find what he was looking for and was completely wrong. Like, he didn't discover San Salvador because he was smart and knew it was going to be there. It, he literally lucked into that. If they'd been sailing a different way, like, they, they all could have died, possibly. All those men would have been completely within their rights to string him to the mast and to turn their asses back around. Correct. Ugh. So, but here we are. So, fuck Christopher Columbus. Yeah, fuck Christopher Columbus. Um, that book sucks. Uh, yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it one star. Despite my dramatic reading, uh, it did not improve the fact this book blows. Uh, so sorry, Doctor Doctor Johnson. Uh, this is not a a winner. It's not a good book. This was yeah. You, it's you it's didn't... a one star book, yo. And it's literally saying, so it's like, okay, if we're going to take the lessons to heart here, the value of curiosity is to just be so curious you're willing to risk the lives of others <laughs> and on a completely wrong hunch and then just steal all the credit and glory uh, when you're fuck up and you just like happen to, you know, come up smelling like roses, even though you were 100% wrong. Pretty much. Yep, yep, so. yep. So, um, so yeah. Be curious. Fuck over your friends. Risk the lives of others. Fuck other people over, and then steal all the glory you can, while setting the stage for horrific colonization. Don't forget the raping and the and the killing. Yeah, and then and not only that, but even when you and leaving behind provisional government that'll keep it going, so that even if you're not there to directly oversee the rape and the mutilation and the enslavement, you know it's still happening in, in yeah, your name. Yeah, you, you've put good people in charge. All right, well, I feel like I need a shower after talking about Christopher Columbus as if he is someone to be overly praised. Yeah, I liked my book better than yours. Yeah. No, I, I deliberately picked one that would that was going <laughs> to suck. upsetting. It was on theme. So, uh, yeah, thank you for everybody listening, uh, supporting us on Patreon. Um, we will have a more regular episode of Patreon. Sorry, well, a regular episode of Patreon. A regular episode wow. of Chainsaw History will be coming your way soon along with more bonus content, uh, more children's books, and more shenanigans. Okay, bye. See ya.